0: Hello and welcome to another episode of the My Ely Story Podcast. I'm Brett Ross, your host on this show where I chat with some of the fantastic and fascinating characters who call my favorite small town, Ely, Minnesota, their home. A big thanks to the Ely Tourism Bureau for supporting this podcast. You can follow the Tourism Bureau at MN on Facebook and Instagram on the web at ely.org, and you can drop a line to tourism at ely.org. Let them know what you think about this podcast. Share your thoughts, share some ideas for uh, some possible guests. We always like to hear your thoughts. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast, and if you'd be so kind, give us a good old positive rating. Share us on the social media, tell your friends about us, and continue listening as we share more great Ely stories. My guest for this episode is Daphne Caruso, a first-generation American, raised in Queens, New York, and a resident with her family for the last 20 years of Ely, Minnesota. Please enjoy.
1: Hi, my name is Daphne Caruso, and this is my Ely story. (laughs) So basically uh, I'm a first generation American. Um, my parents are both from Colombia and uh, it's a pretty interesting story. they both my parents met in Colombia they the families knew each other when my, my parents being uh, as, as my parents being young mm-hmm. they met each other in Colombia. Uh, my mother was twelve when she met my dad who was thirteen and both families got to know each other so eventually at some point my father's older sister Sophia. Um, got married and her husband, Carlos, moved to the States and he brought Sophia with him and she brought my dad. My dad brought my mom. My mom brought my, my a couple of, of her sisters and eventually they all ended up in New York City. Hmm. And we were born about th- three years later. Warren, my oldest brother, is the is the oldest and then it was me and then I've got two other siblings. So Total of four in New York.
0: So, were your parents still uh, young? Were they were
1: yes, still actually, children when they moved here? Yes, um, and actually, I just looked at my birth certificate, and my mom was 20, 24, I think, and my dad was twenty five. Okay, and so they came to the states with with nothing. I mean, why does anybody come to America? Right. They. It was just you know the American dream, and my parents, um, they they came. With nothing. I remember, you know, in our growing up, I don't remember much of my childhood, but I remember the apartments we lived in. I mean, we, I didn't live in a house until, I didn't own a house until I was actually married. Wow. Um, because that's just not, you know, that's not what you do. Yeah. And we lived in these huge apartment buildings. Um yeah, it was, you know, I look back, My Warren and I, our siblings, uh, my brothers and I, we went back for our dad's 75th anniversary, his birthday, I mean, and it was just, we went back to where we grew up, and I look at that, and I think, I can't believe this is where I grew up.
0: Yeah, and that was in Queens?
1: That was in Queens, yeah, we moved to Queens, Woodside. Okay. So basically, um, I, we were, my mom, I don't know that my mom worked. We She didn't speak English, my parents did not speak English. And they didn't speak English until my brother and I, I think, um, taught them at some point. Warren and I, my oldest brother, yep. we didn't speak English until we went to school. Really? So, you know, so it's, it's when, when I think about it, especially now that I, I teach Spanish, I think of it now, my, the way I speak, the way I format my words, the, the, how I organize my words is based on, on a Spanish structure and on English and so Spanish is my first language. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't learn to speak English until I was about um, whatever first grade is. And so, again, when I think back, everything about me, because both families moved to the States together, everything about me was, was Colombian culture. Sure. The music, the food, the the everything, the language. And so it was almost like living in this little Colombian section in New York City, you know? So... So we were there for we were there for a while. Um, we lived, we moved around a lot. We we didn't have a car, you know. It was the train for everything, and really great memories of of going to Coney Island, going to Central Park, going to Museum of uh, No, actually, not the Museum of Fine Arts. We couldn't afford that. <laughs> the 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 Museum of Natural History. Okay. Um. And again, these memories, I, I love to think back, especially comparing then to now, we didn't have cars, Uh, we were poor, you know, and there was four kids. And so the train, you took the train everywhere. And I've got these great memories of my mom having us four kids going to the beach to Coney Island or to Jones Beach, and you have four kids, you have whatever you need to take to the beach with you, Um, you know, bags of bathing suits and toys and so you get to the beach, it's probably an hour in train, I would say 45 minutes to an hour. You get to the beach, the sand is hot, super, super hot that you're burning your feet and you're jumping from from blanket to blanket so that, and, and that's almost, it was accepted until you get to the water and then you're ready to jump in and the water's freezing, uh, you know, but you make do. And then after a long day of swimming and sun, you've got sand everywhere <laughs> You sit you go back on the train and at that point, can you imagine you're exhausted, four kids, and you you have sand everywhere, you're burnt, your skin is tight because of the sun and the, the salt. And then you get off at your stop and you still have to walk four or five blocks to get home. And and so that was, you know, that was the life. Um
0: You didn't know any other way.
1: That was it. Yeah. You know, and now as an adult, when I go back to New York um you know financially i'm in a different a different space so i can go you know i mean f- we i stayed at a hotel in new york city that i had never done that because yeah. we could never afford it um yeah so so it was the upbringing was was so vastly different than than Ely. um but eventually at some point we we moved we moved to massachusetts okay And we ended up there. Um, We ended up there, and we stayed for about um, my eighth grade to to high school. No, I'm sorry, to my graduation. I met my husband there.
0: Mm -hmm. Now, was that um, like Boston area, suburban Boston?
1: That was um, north of Boston. Okay, so we were in Lawrence, Mass. um, And you know, I think about it, and I don't, you know, I think about how much I want to say, but it's almost. I suppose you you, you got to say it because it, it just, it makes me who I am. But, you know, we ended up in, in Massachusetts from one day to the next. Hmm. Um, my dad decided that we were moving. And, and so he sent my mom and us four kids to Massachusetts from one day to the next. That was it. And so that's how I ended up in Massachusetts. And I, um, it was hard, you yeah. know. What um, kind
0: of work did your dad do?
1: My dad, uh when he first moved to to New York, he was he worked at Swingline Staple Factory. Hmm. And I don't know that my mom worked. I suppose with four young kids she didn't work, but it's kind of hard, yeah. It's hard and and no at money. Job, you know? and, then some. Of, and and also understanding the the Spanish culture, it's um, you know, you have the the machismo, which right. is that, you know, the man is in charge of everything, the man decides what happens and and so my, my mom grew up in that culture and and so I imagine it was very hard for her uh, to, to you know she didn't know anything she didn't know anything else yeah so eventually my dad took some courses in in dentistry he was a dental assistant if I remember correctly okay. and I remember he had a a he worked in a laboratory in the Bronx and we would go to the Bronx. And when I remember about those, I I remember playing with mercury. You know the mercury that oh, yeah. is outlawed now? It's yeah. dangerous? I remember <laughs> little bottles of mercury. I We'd put it in my, my older brother and I, Warren, we'd put it in our hands and we'd play with the mercury. Oh my gosh. And I remember even on the wind, win, uh, the windowsill, it was normal. You'd play with mercury. Wow, big yeah. deal. Yeah. Or he'd send <laughs> us across the street. My, my father's very, very frugal. Um, and he'd send us across the street to get... "Quote unquote lunch," and that lunch was Wonder Bread, the white Wonder Bread, right? That's it. Yep. And Oscar, Oscar Mayer Bologna. Yeah, that was our lunch. A piece of Bologna in in between two two you know the the white bread. Yeah, and that was it. We wow. didn't need any more. You right. know, that's all you need. Yeah. And so, um, and eventually, he he worked as a dentist. Wow. He worked as a dentist. And my mom had a couple of jobs, you know, here and there. But, you know, and, and I'm jumping back and forth because it's so rela- you know, it's so interconnected. Yeah.
0: Well, how incredible to come to the United States as a young immigrant and then work your way up to a dental practice?
1: It is, you know, I, I look at my dad now and he's still very, very frugal. Mm-hmm. And he, his concern has always been not spending money. But making money, yeah. So he doesn't. He 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 makes money not to spend it, but it's you know because they were so poor. My father was one of twelve or thirteen kids in Colombia, and they were they were poor. He was one of the youngest. They had nothing. Um, it was he he had all the hand me downs, and he remembers um, he preferred not to wear shoes. Hmm. You know they lived um, again. They lived in the in the I don't want to say jungles, but it's they lived out in in the in the in the jungle, I Pretty suppose. Pretty close, yeah. Pretty close <laughs> yeah. to it, you know. And my mom was one of eleven or or twelve kids, and my mother's father was killed when she was young, when she was about twelve. So my grandmother worked as a as a seamstress. She also worked rolling cigars. Oh, really? That was one of her ways. You know, that was how she 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 provided for her family.
0: Wow. What What part of Colombia were they from?
1: My mom is from Cartago, oh. and my father's from. From Pereira, around that area, okay. um, and really interesting is about four or five years ago, my father gifted my younger brother and I a trip to Colombia, and so I was there for two weeks, wow. um, and I was able to meet one of his cousins that uh, that my father grew up with. Okay, um, but even even better before that, my my father's trip back to Colombia after, I think it was after 50 years, he and I went to Columbia and we went to where his dad was born. And, you know, so for me, I, it's, it's, it's almost, it's really emotional for me because I don't know my history. Mm -hmm. You know, like, I, I think of people who come through the States through maybe Ellis Island or, or people, you know, they've got this history. I don't have that history. I have no idea. I've heard stories about my grandmother but I don't. I don't know where to. You know, I've tried looking up records. I don't. There's no history. I have no idea, and there's no written history either. So, so for me, it's very emotional when I think about. You know, I I would love to go back and 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 have something, especially for my children because we I have children now and and they married local boys and so they are so far removed from my culture even though it's just one generation. Yeah. They have no idea what it means to to live in another country to be so poor that that it's it's hard to fathom that yeah. you know do you
0: feel like you maybe bridged a little bit of that gap by making those trips back? I'm sure it was just barely scratching the surface
1: well actually, it's funny that that and I've had this conversation before where I feel more collect- more connected to my the Colombian side, mm-hmm. so it's always been this inner struggle with me because I even though I was born in the States, the only thing that makes me connected, you know, the only thing that makes me an American is being born here. Yeah. Everything else, the language, my culture, um, the music, the book, everything else, my family members mm-hmm. ha- are all a direct connection to Colombia.
0: Yeah, and so, I imagine the the closeness of the family when when you were young, and like you said, only speaking Spanish in the household, and always being around those family members that were all speaking Spanish, they were all Colombian. You're fully immersed, fully immersed in that for at least the first five six years of your life,
1: at a minimum. Yeah, um, and I would say even even beyond that, you know, the first five or six years is when when it, you don't hear any other language but right. Spanish, and but you know, so you go to school and you learn English, but again all our, you know, all, all my first cousins were on the same boat where you get together and it's, and, and you, especially for the adults, you revert back to not actually not revert, you stay in that culture because Mm. that's your culture, Yeah, you know? So, so for me, I've always, it's always been this, this trying to find this, it's trying to find really who I am, Mm. you know, because again, I'm American, but, but. But I grew up with this, with his, with the Colombian culture, mm-hmm. and and it wasn't until I, I've been teaching Spanish to, to the homeschool group here for the past seven years, six or seven years. So I'm immersed in it. I worked. I used to work as an interpreter. I was a medical interpreter, and I have I have my my degree in sign language and in Spanish. So I've been immersed in it forever, but it wasn't lately. It wasn't recently until someone, an adult, said to me, you know, you you speak, like. The stru- like you know as if you 're speaking Sp- the structures in spanish but it's Eng- it's the english language, yeah, and which is why it makes sense now when I, when I say something, you know I should say it in in i don't know in five words instead i i use twenty <laughs> words to say it because because i'm thinking you know it's it's in, it's ingrained i mean yeah it's 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 who you are it's who i am
0: yeah that's fantastic
1: so you know so we've jumped we jumped around a lot, we jumped mm-hmm. around a lot and and we end up in Massachusetts, and and that's where I met my husband, Moro. Um, and he he is an immigrant. I mean, he was born and raised in Sicily. Right. So he came to the states when he was fifteen. He didn't know a word of English, and within six months he was speaking English. Um, and eventually, we we met through uh, one of his friends, and we we got married in. I don't remember when we got married. <laughs> um, I'm not good. At, we we got married in 60, no, uh, 88, 87. We got married in 87. Okay. I was going to 60? I was going to no, say, wait a minute. What? We got married in 87 because <laughs> my daughter was born in 88. Okay. And, you know, and so we stayed in Massachusetts. He, he started, he and his brother started a business and I, I stayed home. I was a stay-at-home mom until my, my children were ready to go to school. So I thought to myself, what am I going to do? I'm 20, you know, mid-20s. I can't stay home. It's embarrassing for me to be home at this age while my kids go to school. So I thought, mm, what am I going to do? Um, and as it happened, I've always been interested in sign language. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, as, a, as an anecdote, I was in grade school in, in New York City. And I remember this, this girl, her name, it was, I lived in a Greek community at this point. It was in Astoria, Queens. Her name was Anthula Pasolopoulos. Ah, great And name. we used to talk. I'm a talker. People who know me now know that I, I'm a talker. <laughs> so we sat next to each other and we talked and talked and talked. And eventually the the teacher separated us and, and, and I thought, how am I going to communicate with her? Ah, I'll, I'll learn the ABCs in sign language. <laughs> so that's what I did and that's how we communicated. And all I learned was the ABCs. I taught myself the ABCs. And so fast forward years later after I got married and after I had my children, I wanted to go back to school and I was at a friend's house and there was a paper that said women returning, you know, women returning, going back to school or, and, you know, so, and there was, there was a sign language course, a degree in sign language. So I thought immediately, I went home until tomorrow. that's what I want to do. Yeah. And so I signed up and I, it took me three years to get my degree in sign language interpreting and and after my after graduating, or two weeks before graduation, I thought, oh, I don't need any more education. I already have my associates, and I'm a first-generation American, so I'm the first one in my family to get a degree. And I thought that was enough. And then I realized, well, well, that's ridiculous. You have two more years, and to get your bachelor's. And I thought, well, what am I going to get my degree in? And then I decided to get a, an education, a formal education in Spanish. Yeah. Um, and it's funny, though, because I thought I was going to do well but but i didn't
0: really why do you think that is
1: well it's because uh, it's because as a as a as a native speaker like an english native speaker you just you learn you don't know the the hows or the whys okay. you just you just learn the language listen to your parents so for example you can't explain in english you know why you just know if it sounds right if it doesn't sound right okay. you don't know the rules behind it you just know it right so so in my case I grew up speaking Spanish. I didn't know what the rules are. I didn't know when you're supposed to do this or when you're supposed to do that. But I just know that it's so- I knew that it sounded right. And and that was solidified by the fact that there was another student who was in the same boat that I was. And we both struggled. We both struggled in our tests. We both struggled in in, you know, in understanding why the, you know, the grammar of it. But ironically, the 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 English speaking kids who learned Spanish, uh, who learned Spanish in grade school, they were taught, they were taught the, the rules. Yeah. So they knew the, the whys or the why nots and we weren't, and they were very jealous of us because we can speak it fluidly and, and fluently and I can read it. I, you know, I read it, I write it. I, 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 I it's my language. Yeah. So so I struggled. Um, but eventually, you know, I graduated and then I worked as a sign language and Spanish interpreter at, um, at a hospital, a couple of hospitals. I was a freelancer.
0: So you got to do both of those jobs simultaneously. So you would interpret for, um, people that spoke sign language and people that spoke Spanish.
1: Um, it was trilingual. So I knew, so I, I know sign language, I'm a native Spanish speaker and I'm a my my A language is Spanish. My B language is English. Mm-hmm. And so there are situations where yes, um, uh, I would interpret for for a situation where an example there was a there was a principal who only spoke English. The students spoke Spanish, English, and they knew sign language. And then the parents knew sign and spoke Sp- um, and and no sign they knew sign and they kind of lip read Spanish. So I was the interpreter, so I was interpreting for the three languages. Wow! Yeah, it's 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 something else. It really
0: it, is. Well, what an amazing gift to be able to give people to help bridge those communication gaps, especially in a healthcare setting.
1: Yes, yes, but you know, but but to be honest with you, as an interpreter or as a person who's hearing, we really had to be careful with that word "help," mm. because it, it insinuates that you know there is there is a dominant. There's dominance and there's an inferior to, to the situation, right? right? So so it's more facilitating, you know, sure. facilitating the, the yep. communication. But really, the, for me, I love the idea that there was this quote-unquote secret language that I knew that not very many people knew. And so I could have a conversation across the street. I can have a conversation with somebody who's in the next car or, you know, 20 feet away from me. As long as I can see you, yeah. we can have a conversation.
0: Well, and how great that it started out from this desire to have illicit conversations I, I, I. in school,
1: and it was a profession, you know. <laughs> um, and so I did that for for a long time, and then you know you fast forward to how many years I, I graduated and I worked, and then and then as it happened, it's fate, I guess. One year, my um, Moore and I were going to be we're celebrating fourteen years of being married. So I said to him, "Hey, why don't we go visit? Um, no, why don't we go to Santo Domingo?" I I want to go someplace warm. I'm a beach person. I love the beach. I love the sand. And he said, yes. The first time in in our 14 years of marriage, he said, yes, I'll go someplace with you where it's warm and and there's a beach. So I was excited. Okay, I'm preparing. I'm making plans. And then I realized my girls, they were 14. No, not 14. One was starting seventh grade and one was starting high school. So whatever those ages were. And then I started thinking, well, I want to take him with me because I can't who who doesn't want to go to Santo Domingo? So I want to take him with me. And then logistically, it just wasn't working out. School and this and that. So I, I had an idea. Let's go visit my brother Warren, who lives in Ely. We'll make it a family vacation instead. And and he said yes. You know, and the back story to to that is I am the only girl in in my family, mm-hmm. the only sister, the only daughter. And I'm, I'm pretty spoiled, you know, my dad has always taken care of me, um, but it's, under, it's on his terms. So every year, I remember when, when, when my girls were younger, he'd say, yep, we're going to go, you know, we'll go, we'll go to Minnesota and visit your brother, but it never quite worked out. The last minute, I don't want to go. And so this, that particular year, Moore and I could afford it without me having to ask my dad. And we decided three weeks. I'm going to come to Ely. I'm going to stay here for three weeks, and he would come the third week. Mm-hmm. Well, luckily, the three weeks I the three weeks I came, which is we were here for Fourth of July. So I think it was Fourth mm-hmm. of July to right the end of right at the end of July. It was one of the hottest summers. That was in 2002. Okay. I would say since I've been here, the hottest summer we've ever had. Wow. And I thank God for that because if it hadn't, if it had been. Uh, The summer, like the summer, like the, the summer that we would have had 2003, I think, I think maybe we only had five warm days of summer. I don't know that I would have moved here, but that summer it was hot and it was just, I mean, we, I went to the, to the Seamers every single day. So this is, you know, going to the beach every day and swimming every day you know and that was from like living in in Massachusetts we had our house and the beach was about 45 minutes away but on a cold winter day on mm-hmm. a hot summer day everybody else is going to the beach mm-hmm. so it would take you a minimum of an hour to get there sure traffic is crazy even more so to get back so you don't go often right you know because you can't go during the week and then there's work and then during the weekends there are other there are other things and it takes a good I mean, you're there five or six hours, so it just wasn't feasible. And my neighbor had a great pool. She, I, it was somebody I happened to had I had gone to grade school with. She moved in. She had her kids. I had my kids. But there's only so many times you can say, "Hey, you know, can my kids <laughs> swim in your pool?" So, so you know, so we didn't really do much swimming. But here, my kids went swimming every day. And at that point, a friend of ours, Matt McGrath and Sue McGrath, owned the hotel. It was before Canoe on uh, Inn.
0: Uh, motel, West, I- Westgate. no.
1: Westgate. Motel. Yeah. Yep. They own the motel and my brother lived right there. So, so we made, my girls made friends with their girls and yeah. they went to the beach and they rode their bike every day. So by the second week, by the third week, the girls and I are saying, wouldn't it be great if dad said, yes, I want to move here. But you know, it was almost like a, a pipe dream because more. My husband's very particular, and obviously, you know, business wise, you have to make sure that the business that we that we have would thrive in Ely, mm-hmm. and and so he came to Ely the third week, and um, my sister in law at that point, my ex sister in law, her father was the economic developer, right? So Moro sat down with him and they talked, and he deemed that yes, it, it would make sense, and we it is feasible for us to bring the business here so, so, okay, so we thought we'd we'd make the move, but you know how it goes. um when you go back home it's it's almost like you forget you know, was it really that great? Yeah. was it really you know, did I really love it that much, And I'm really going to upend my life to move to Ely? So two weeks go by, and I'm going to the beach with a friend of mine, and I happen to take the wrong exit. The traffic was ridiculous. So I remember calling Moro and saying, I want to go back. I want to go back to Ely. And that was just two weeks after being back home. Wow. And he said, are you sure? Because financially, it's not going to be the same. He was doing, he was very successful in Mm -hmm. his, in his business. And, and my, my profession, my career as an interpreter was, as a trilingual interpreter was, was, was taking off because there weren't that many trilingual interpreters. Had to be
0: high in demand, yeah.
1: Yes. And the pay was great. Um, But, you know. I I thought about my girls, the fact that they were just free to roam. Back home, they were not allowed off the block. Yeah, you can. And luckily, we had twelve kids on our block, but they were not allowed to leave the block. Um, and so much so, I remember Courtney getting in trouble. She lived maybe, I think it was maybe twenty minutes. The bus would pick her up and take her to school. It was maybe twenty minutes, a half hour drive. And one day, I remember she, her friend, a friend of mine, called me and said, "I saw Courtney walking." and i went looking for her and she got in serious trouble Oof. because she was going to walk home from school. Oof. So these were the things you know that yeah. were not allowed to leave my block and so when i saw them here the freedom and that's what did it for me for moro and i the freedom of our children to be able just to be kids and not worry about not worry about anything. So we decided yes we're leaving. We were um and so moro We bought a car, we bought a trailer, and he said, Pack what you need. So I packed up all my art supplies. I packed up the kids' stuff. We drove maybe two days and we arrived in Ely a day before school started. Wow. Because Morrow said, If you're going to do this, we need to do this now before school starts. So we did. We did. And we ended up at my brother's house. The first, we were there for a month maybe, I don't remember. Um, and it was hard because my brother is is you know he's he, there's no air conditioning. Oh yeah, uh, and that was a hot. I mean, it was 90 plus every day, and the humidity was really high. So we had a fan. There was three of us and the dog. We had a German Shepherd at the time, and we were sleeping in one bedroom. Oof. Um, and so we we were there for I don't know how many weeks, and then more, my husband more went back home, and and he had to pack up the house that we had we had a beautiful six thousand square foot Victorian. It was a beautiful home. But you know, when 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 you've experienced things, you realize it's not the material, right? It's not what you have. It's what it's what it's how you live. Mm -hmm. And so so I was okay. I was okay with letting go at that point because because living in Ely was so different. And so he would come back every six weeks to to drop off stuff and, and just to, you know, we still had to find a place to live. And eventually we found a place on James Street, actually. Mm-hmm. This is where we first lived on on James Street. And he was able to sell the house and sell the business uh, right before Christmas. Nice. And we came down here. He came here and and it's been 20 years.
0: Wow, no kidding.
1: This is the longest we've lived anywhere. That's great. Before this, it was, we lived in Lawrence. We were there for for nine years, six or nine years. But before that, we moved every three years.
0: Wow. That's intense.
1: 20 years. 20 years. And, and it feels like it was just yesterday.
0: Yeah. So just to back up a little bit, what brought uh, Warren, your older brother here?
1: you know Warren he he was in the service he, we lived in Massachusetts and he he got a, he was in the service in the army and when he left he went um he went to Colorado my mother had had since gotten divorced and so she met my uh, my my future stepfather in Massachusetts but his roots were in in the in the in Colorado Arizona area so she moved there okay and then when Warren got out of the service, that's he went back home. So he went back to stay with my mother. And he is—he's an artist, and he has been painting and, and since he he was five. And I think you know he he saw that I graduated from college, and he thought, well, he also you know what else do you do? So he wanted to go back to school, and the only thing he knew was was being an artist. So he thought, like I did with my Spanish, he thought, well, let me go back and get a formal education in art. But as it happened, he was, he was too far... He was more advanced than, than his teacher at the time. Wow. You know, they wanted him... They wanted, you know, as a formal education, they wanted him to do very specific things. Mm-hmm. And he was beyond that. And so so he knew it, 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 didn't, it didn't make sense for him. But by, by, by chance, his, uh, there was a girl there who he met. And Jennifer. And mm-hmm. Jennifer, um, they fell in love and they ended up back in in Ely, but again, the way that, and it's also interconnected, yeah, because as the story goes, her mother and father um they are from the South, and her father, her stepfather, he was in the service, and he was uh one of his service people, lived in Ely who had connections in ely so one one summer, this is where he he took his vacation. He was with his buddy, and they came here in, to Ely. He fell in love with Ely, and he went back to, he went back to the South, and, and he told his wife, I want to move to Ely. And she said, well, let's see. You know, if it's God willing, then we'll move. And it was God willing because they ended up in Ely. So at that point, Jennifer and Warren were in Denver, and her parents were in Ely, and they came to visit, and they fell in love. And they were they weren't able to come directly to ely they ended up in to, they ended up in Duluth first mm. she was a she was a graphic she was a graphic designer so she needed to you know to get some to get established first and and eventually after five years they ended up from Duluth to Ely But the connection is that for the longest time I had wanted to visit Warren, but I never did because we didn't have the money yeah. If I had visited him when I wanted to, we would have visited him in Denver, uh, in Duluth. And I don't know, I actually, I can probably guarantee that Duluth wouldn't have been a place that I would have said, I need to be there. But he had just moved, he had just moved to Ely when we had visited him. So I think within the year we were here. So really everything fell into place and, and, and here we are, um, it's been a phenomenal move um, and for somebody like me who grew up in new york city i thought moving to massachusetts was country i had no idea what country <laughs> means you know i mean it wasn't until i moved to ely that you real that i realized the idea that there's a forest out there that you can just go to i mean for me central park was 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 where you went to play in the grass when you needed to play. Yeah, because where I lived, there was it was all concrete. Our 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 park, the local park, is all concrete. There is no grass, and we it was surrounded by bars. Where I went to school, think you know, and it was all concrete or tar. Yeah, and and we had those the the bars to to keep I guess us in or people out. People, I don't know, yeah. A little both but the pool we used to go to a story pool it's a it's a great pool surrounded by grass but the pool itself was all concrete yeah. and even now i you know my body tenses when i remember falling on the concrete and and i remember you lay your towel out on the con- on the concrete so you lay your, your towel on this hard concrete and you lay out like you know it's just, you can't compare it to grass or sand. And so for me, the idea that something like this, like this exists is, is, I can't fathom it. you know. And even now, after 20 years, I, I think I, I never skied until I was here. Yeah. Where am I going to go? Um, really, the, the idea of just living here, I can get up at 6 o'clock in the morning and go kayaking, go hiking. That was not something I would have ever, ever done living where i lived there's no way it's just it's a whole different world and then ideally um, you know i do i don't like to say i regret anything but my 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 career as an interpreter um i i had to it just didn't go anywhere because moving here there was there's no deaf people moving here there's no spanish people that needed interpreting and i still hadn't gotten my certification in sign language so really I, I couldn't work in a school setting or in a medical setting because I just I needed my certification. I didn't have that. So um, but on the plus side, my art took over. And I I can almost say that if I had stayed in Massachusetts, I would not have done that. I wouldn't have pursued my art because I would have been so busy with my sign language. So yeah, moving here has just been it, it was it was not just the right thing to do but but you know I think about my children i'm i'm very I'm very family oriented and m- one daughter lives in Babbitt, which is twenty minutes away, and the other daughter lives in Gilbert, which is an hour away so I get to spend time with my grandchildren during the summers i'm the babysitter, and you know i these are the rules I placed if i'm going to watch your kids, Miss Courtney, I want a minimum of three days. <laughs> eight hours a day, you know, none of this, a couple of hours here and there, I want them that long. So it's almost like vacation.
0: That's great. You know, uh,
1: we go to the beach and we go kayaking and paddle boarding and it's a life.
0: Well, you know, I, I see you quite a bit with, uh, with your granddaughters and, uh, hanging out mostly in the summertime. And I think my first thought is what lucky kids to get to hang out with grandma that much She's such a cool grandma. Thing. but but how lucky for you what a great thing like that's I, honestly i i look forward to having grandkids of my own to be able to take the time to do that cuz i just i like hanging out with kids i loved being a stay at home dad and hanging out with yeah. my kids and so i i really appreciate that that you get to do that that you get to have that amount of time carved out with your grandkids while they're young
1: and that's right because how often you know do you hear and and I, and I and i can attest to it that that they get to the point where uh, you know they they don't want to hang out with you anymore yeah and so we spent a lot of time and 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 you know and and really i just want to with the term grandmother right that's such a uh such, that's such an an american term right that they call me tita t i t a tita and that comes from the word abuela yep. so abuela means grandmother in Spanish, mm-hmm. but we have, we we add the ITA to the end of that word to make it like a term of endearment. So abuelita is so, what I used to call my grandmother, abuelita. It's like
0: little grandma. Yes, yeah, it like little
1: grandma, yeah, right? Yeah. It's just like term of endearment. And so that's what I wanted my my children to call, my grandchildren to call me abuelita. But it's a long word yeah. and they couldn't say it. So they end up calling me tita.
0: <laughs>
1: you know, and the, the great part is my niece and nephew also, um, Started the idea was to them call, the idea was for them to call my mother abuelita, but they couldn't say it. So one of them called my mother abuela, uh, the other one calls her abba, and my children call me tita. All from that same abuelita. <laughs> That's great. So, yeah. So I, I try to you know I, I still I listen to to music to Spanish music all the time. I. I am sad to say I, I I can see the separation, especially with you know my kids and then now more so with my grandchildren, that there's a separation there between a culture that is 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 embedded it's 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 who I am, <laughs> you know, to my grandchildren. Um, but i do i I teach them a couple of words, you know, they know some spanish and and my the three youngest grandchildren are want to learn sign language, so they're doing that. But I do, I keep, I keep involved in, in the Spanish culture. I, I teach homeschoolers now. I've been teaching with the, for the past five years here in Ely. I taught at the high school for a year. And every so, you know, here and there I have, uh, I teach Spanish to, to a student or an adult. But, you know, I, I love it though, because I when I was teaching at the high schooler, at the high school, I'd put the, the Spanish music on and, and you know, I, people know me. people know me for my hair. It's not very tamed, um, it's <laughs> curly, and I'm not too particular about it, you know. And so I've gotten this a lot that people will recognize me because of my hair. <laughs> and so I remember one of the times at the classroom at the high school, here I am, um, most of the students who are from this area are, uh, you know, the descendants are the the Swiss, what do you call that, The the... Slovenians, Slovenians, right? So there's a particular, you know, blonde hair and, Mm -hmm. and very thin. And I'm not, you know, I've got dark, I had dark curly hair and I love funky things, you know. So I'd go in there with my funky looking shoes and my hair all over the place. And I'd put some Spanish music on and I'd start moving and I can see the kids kind of eyeing me up, you know. And so um they never said anything. And eventually towards the end of the year, it was, you know, it was, hey, put that music on. Nice. So I love the idea that I could instill a little bit of that that culture for sure. Into Ely, which is very mono monocultural.
0: That's really awesome. So talk about your art.
1: That oh thank you I you know I I grew up watching my brother uh, paint and I've always I'd always wanted to do that my mother my grandmother grew up as I said earlier supporting her family as a seamstress my mother can sew without a pattern and my grandmother used to make her own patterns my my another aunt my my aunt um, um, Esperanza used to also paint uh, I'm sorry not paint sew. Hmm. So it's, I've always been involved with that. My father is a dentist. It's almost like an art, you know, forming the teeth. And so, sure. so I used to watch my brother paint all the time, and, and I wanted to do that so bad. But I never thought I could. You think back now as an adult, and you realize I, the difference between he and I is that he actually he practiced every day, and I didn't. So so I started with, with things that, you know, I, I saw my mother do, the sewing. I used to sew little things. And then it, when I had my children, I used to sew them dresses and, and household stuff. But always in the back of my mind, I wanted to, I wanted to paint. And then one year, about 10 years ago, actually in 2012, I, I thought, you know what, I'm going to get, I want to get serious about this. So I took a class with this artist, Jane Davenport. She's in Australia somewhere, but she is exactly what I needed at that point in my life. And the difference with her is that she was, she made learning and she made painting f- almost like play, right? You have to learn how to play. Yeah. So I started doing that. And I, and I took actually a number of her classes. And for that whole year, I did nothing but just practice, practice faces and practice, practicing painting and drawing. Almost the entire year, and that was really the catalyst for me. I re- I got better, right? You get better with more practice, and I realized, oh, I can do this. So that's when I started. I got, you know, uh, I realized I can do this, and and so I really delved into it, and I I worked hard at it, um, and. And I am successful now. You know, I I feel I'm successful. I've got a unique way about my art. And what's great is that people look at my art and look at my brother's art and see a similarity. Sure. And I think that that has to do with our upbringing. Uh, We're both very, we use intense colors and a lot of color. And if you know anything about the Spanish culture, I don't care if it's Mexico, Colombia. Um, I was just in Costa Rica last year. Mm -hmm. And it's that. It's this these bright brilliant colors and everything is about color so um so that's my work and and here I am in 2023 now and I have I I'm at a point now where I just I look back and I think I wasted almost 40 years thinking I couldn't do it and really what I didn't have is is the the mindset for it you know um but I, I work in acrylic and I work in watercolor and I work in in fiber. I love paper. I love anything having to do with art. Um, so it's been pretty funny because originally my Moore would say to me, oh, "What's this junk you have in here?" And because <laughs> I would, and I took over the entire house. Yeah, I had the living room and I had whatever spare bedroom there was and. And now you know we we have the art corner at the store uh, we own the art corner so it's a pretty big building so can you imagine all this space i have to put things away and so so i have i have a lot but he, but i think more now has also realized that this is it's not just a hobby this is it's a passion it's it's i think about creating that's what i think about before i go to bed that's what i think about when i wake up it's always, you know, it's 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 just, it's always in my head, and and so I teach a lot. I teach uh, both adults and kids, and and all of that helps me with my own art, you know. Sure. Um, and right now, I'm, I'm working on a series of paintings that uh, an acquaintance. She went to Kenya this past summer, and she posted these amazing photos of her time in Kenya. On a, on a safari so I asked her permission and I'm going to And she gave me the okay so I'm going to do a series of of paintings um line work actually is what I'm going to do of these animals so so I'm just I'm I'm
0: so when you say line work I'm not exactly line work um that.
1: so ink so uh so think about think about um think about using a pen or um an ink pen and lines. So as, instead of painting, I am drawing, I'm I'm making lines okay. and I'm um almost like a coloring book, you know, to some extent, but but you know to the umph degree, it's more it's it's um it's more particular. So I'm going to be using a pen and and drawing out my my image and then using watercolor and then to fill it in with paint. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, fill in with watercolor. My main my main mediums are watercolor and acrylic, and um, and I've it's exciting, you know, because i I've seen the progress. I, when I first started, I I was so frustrated because why is this acrylic paint drying so fast? <laughs> I don't understand what I'm doing wrong, and so here it is, you know, t- ten years twenty no ten years later, and I, there's progress there's progress and so much so that my friends it's cool though because my friends have seen my progress that they can say you know just not too long ago someone said it's been really cool seeing you start from from nothing yeah to something so so that's um i'm, I'm grateful being ely for that one for, for that reason there's no way i would have done what i'm doing now and ultimately, when I think about it, the four things in my life that have been very that are that have been with me is my art, my language, my culture. Um, actually, three, and the health part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been working out. I started working out when I was in my twenties. Okay. And here I am, fifty-five, and and I still do it. And so I teach over at the at the gym, heavy metal sports, functional yeah. fitness. So I teach uh, I I teach spin there, and that's a huge part of my life. I teach Spanish, which is, you know, who I am, mm-hmm. and then the art part of it. So I'm getting to do the three things that keep me going, that are my passion in Ely.
0: That's awesome.
1: In Ely. And who would have thought? Not me. Right. Not me. Um, Ely was, was, was it was hard to get used to, though, for a little bit, especially I'm when sure. I first moved here. Being from a big city, you can you need something? No, you need something. Eleven o'clock at night, no problem. You go to the supermarket and you grab it. Purity supreme. You'd go get it, no matter what time. You need a pair of jeans or a regular shirt, no problem. You'd go to, you know, to a Target. Living in Ely, I learned, and actually not really quick. It took me a little bit, but I remember I was here living when I first moved here, and I needed milk. And I it was on a Sunday, and I I <laughs> I I asked my brother Warren, hey, where can I go grab some milk? No, I'm going to the supermarket. I said, I'm going to the supermarket to get some milk, <laughs> and he said, well, you can't. The supermarket's closed. I said, what do you mean the supermarket's closed? It's only like f- six o'clock on a Sunday. He goes, no, everything closes here. So, so so what do you do? You go to the gas station, right? Which in any town outside of Ely, in a you know small town, you never go to the gas station to buy food. <laughs> right. The only reason you go to the gas station is to get gas. <laughs> to get gas. Yeah. So you know, so it was just like this this little prejudice thing I had to get over. Like, okay, you can go to you can go to the grocery to this to the. Um, Gas station, yep. to get gas,
0: or just get to the grocery store before four on a Sunday or
1: get to the grocery <laughs> store. So you learn to adjust your time. and and the other thing was was checks. back east, you do not use you don't use checks for anything, sure because I mean, how can you tr- trust that check is not going to bounce right, right. I moved here, and that's all people use. I mean, people would go. i remember I remember I was going to the gas station with my my sister in law at the time. Jennifer, and she's writing a check out for $5. I'm like, <laughs> they, they're taking your check? Or or writing a check out for $80 in, in for gas? Mm-hmm. What do you mean you don't have to prepay? You can just... It's a whole other world <laughs> out here. It's a whole other world. But you do, you adapt. And so here I am, you know, 20 years later, and I know what time the supermarket closes. I know I need to get there before, before they close. And... You know, but but the the, the in re, the what you get in return is so much more. I mean, I I forget my checkbook or my 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 credit card when I go to Zep sometimes. So I will ask Jimmy, hey, you know, I can I just come back tomorrow? No problem. Mm-hmm. I was riding my motorcycle years ago and I went to the gas station. I didn't have my wallet with me. Hey, do you mind if I just come back? Yeah, no problem. That would never happen. In a big city, that just doesn't happen. So I, you know, when I think back at my at at my life, I've had the best of both worlds. I grew up in New York City. I grew up going to to Madison Square Garden. I saw the Ringling Brothers and Barnum Bailey Circus a few times. I went there. We went to the Museum of Natural History, and if you see. The movie with um, there's that. Not at the museum. Right, at the museum, you know? yeah. It's that idea. I yeah. I that the big mastodon. I, I I love that place. I've been to Central Park. That's where we used to go and play. I've been on the Staten Island Ferry. That was it was free. So we'd get on the ferry and and you know take the the, the round trip and come back. I've been to Radio City Music Hall. My mom used to take us. That was at a point where she could afford. Um, you know, the entry for five tickets, but we'd go there all the time. I saw Lassie there. And so these are things, these are iconic New York City uh, things, right? Places. And that, that was my backyard. And then I come to Ely and I see, you know, I'm in, I'm I'm, I'm in, in a place where I, I had no idea existed and then the freedom to travel i love to travel i've been to italy i've been to costa rica i've been to mexico colombia i i want to do more of that and incorporate that into mm-hmm. my artwork so ideally right would be the, the ideal thing would be you know let's go to let's go to colombia um let's go to costa rica let's go i don't know anywhere let's go back, let's go to boston you know as a group Let's as as you know somebody who's been there as as an art instructor as an artist. Let me get a group together and, and fly out to Boston and 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 paint out there or paint in Mexico, or paint in Costa Rica. Yeah, I mean the possibilities are endless.
0: I'm not a painter, but sign me up. I,
1: you know, oh, here you go, you know. Yeah, yeah. There you go, you know. Reference photos. I mean, yeah. there's so much that could be done. That's but I, so and, and so there's no way I would have been where I am now if I hadn't moved to Ely.
0: That's fantastic. Yeah. What are some of the changes that you've seen here that that are, have made the biggest impression on you from when you first moved here twenty years ago to now?
1: I think, um, I think, I think some of um, the biggest impression. I think it's the attitude of of the town. I remember when we first moved up here and we first opened up our our store, Custom Theaters of Ely. Mm-hmm. Someone said to us, "You're not you're not going to last three months." Ely doesn't need a town, a, a place, a, a business like this. Mm-hmm. And the business was, it was Custom Theaters of Ely. And so it was electronics. It was selling, you know, your typical electronic stuff. Morrow had the same business back in the East Coast. And moving up here, we had to adjust, you know, to to adjust to the economic structure of Ely. Mm-hmm. and. People would come into the store, and, and I mean, you think about where we came from. We came from a, t- a place where it was very it was a very high end store. The cheapest DVD play was two thousand dollars, and so and and he used to build theaters in in show homes. Mm-hmm. So we came from that. That was the mentality, you know, the very a very um, well kept mm-hmm. store. It was it was a high end store. So you moved to Ely, and. And that's what you see. So the assumption was, you know, oh, these guys are coming in here and, and they're going to tell us what we need. And so it took a little bit for people, I would say a good 10 years actually. Really? For people to to know that we weren't here for the sake of trying to make it big, you know? And my husband says that all the time. You don't come to Ely to, to become rich. You come here to find a quality of life. Yeah. And the the great part about this whole thing is that here we are 20 years later Moro is we're very well the store is very well established he has a reputation that precedes him uh people search him look for him for answers we haven't advertised as a business in the last at least 10 years it's all word of mouth now and he he is He's busy. He's busier than he's ever been, and so um, so it's that idea, right? It's uh, the it's it's opened quite a bit. the the people's people's um, how they think about outsiders. I think have changed, and part of it is because of of people like us who have moved here to make a living. And here we are, twenty years. You know, our children went to school here. My grandchildren are here, and we invested back in the community. Uh, between, uh, you know volunteering or monetarily to whatever organizations my kids were involved with in or sports they were involved with. But, but it was that, it was the idea of, um, it's, it was, I would say, um, and, and, you know, I'm I'm not one, I don't want to be disrespectful, but it was, it was more close-minded than it is now. So I love that. I love that we can, no matter what you need, you need an herbalist. There's somebody here. You need somebody who, who does yoga, because so many people want to be in Ely, they bring their skill set. Yep. So I've never lived in a place long enough to understand that. So back to your question, the, I think the biggest difference is that it's it's it's, it's there's it's more open now. Mm-hmm. You know, there's so much more. There's so much more um, for someone to to be a part of, mm-hmm. to be involved with. One of the things I hear all about uh, when my kids were younger, there's nothing to do in Ely. There's nothing to do. And I think, I think they're, they're wrong. They're wrong. There's so much to do in Ely. It's, it's, yeah, it's welcoming now. You yeah. know, there's so much, there's so much to do. There's a lot of opportunities and, and look what surrounds us. I know, did I answer your question?
0: Uh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Very eloquently. Yes. Yeah.
1: Oh, I got a great story though. Yeah. When we first moved here, because we sold our house, we had a, we had a, a nice house and we sold it privately and we had a business that we sold. We when we first moved here, it, there wasn't this need to immediately get to work. We had to find a house and we had to find a building for the business. So, for the first year after we moved here, we within a within maybe f- 4 or 5 months, I think we found a house. Our house now is Sheridan Street. And it took us a year, almost about a year to rehab. So we didn't work for a year. Hmm. And then we needed to find a building for the business. And we found it. And that took us another almost year, I would say, to work on it. So we didn't need to we, we we couldn't work. We we had to work on the building. So there was a gossip going around town that we were in the witness protection program <laughs> because you have a Colombian, you have a Sicilian <laughs> who have come to Ely with what it seems like a lot of money, because they're not working, they That's, haven't worked in two years, and they're spending all this money. So that was, yeah, that was a prevailing that checks gossip. Out. Yeah. That checks out. Hey, yep. So I don't know, I'm not going to tell you whether or not it's true, but uh, <laughs> but that was the gossip.
0: Well, we're on the podcast now, so anybody can hear this, so just be, <laughs> be warned.
1: So, yeah, it's it's, I love it here.
0: That's awesome. I love it. That's Dad. so great to hear. Well, I know um I you know I got to know your brother um uh, pretty soon after he first moved here after he and Jennifer first moved here and um got to be friends with him and thought he was such an amazing guy and then um when he introduced me to you and Moro and your kids and I think we I think we hung out at the at your building, the Custom Theater's building on a New Year's Eve. And I just remember thinking, these are some of the coolest people I've met. Oh. Like, just what a great addition to Ely. And that's held true for these whole 20 years that you guys have brought so much to this community. I've gotten to know Moro really well, working with him um, on various things. And uh, he's just, he's one of those people um, where if, I, if I'm if i ever in need of, of anything, I know I can call him and he'll be there for me. He's Absolutely. just, he's one of the most trustworthy people that I know, hardworking, honest, and um. Yeah. And just an amazing family. You've got amazing daughters and you to, to, you know, to have taken your art and created a business with it and, and to teach people and, and just really to share it. Uh, it's, it's, it's such a gift to the community. So uh, thank you for being here and well, doing I, what you do.
1: Thank you. I, I, again, I go back, there's no way I would have done this had not been a Neely, you know, it's the, the art part of it is, it's a passion you know, it's 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 the essence I, I could say of who I am. You know, and and so it it's, it's worked. And and you know, I think about my my oldest daughter Courtney and my youngest. Uh, so I've got two, Courtney and Alexandra. And I, when I was younger, I used to you know these, do these little shows, and the kids would willingly come with me. And that was living here in Ely when I started doing shows. They would willingly come with me. Yep, they were great, no problem. And as I got a little bit older, they were almost. Um, they were forced into it. You know, they mm-hmm. couldn't quite say no to me yet. Yep. And then it got to the point where they got, they were old enough to say, you know, mom, I don't want to go and I couldn't force them. Yeah. But here we are, it comes full circle because Courtney is, um, she's a graphic designer and she is an artist in her own right and she's doing shows with me now. And so not only does she do, does she do shows with me, but her grand, my grandchildren are also involved, and so last year they had a little booth at at the at the downtown at the art market in mm-hmm. in Whiteside Park. And Alexandra, who has always said she doesn't have a bone of artistic ability in her body, now she does these cakesicles. So she 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 cooks these cakesicles and she designs the the um, the image. Yeah. She and so she's an artist. So here we are full circle that again it wouldn't have happened and and so i love the idea that i can i love the idea that on a tuesday during the summer i can close the shop early and i can go to whiteside park and i am with how many other artists you know v- food vendors farmers market people and artists and we all know each other it's a small community so you know everybody and that's another Plus slash minus about living in <laughs> Healy, right? Yep. You know everybody's business, um, but I love that 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 you know when when there is a need for help, all you have to do is ask. Yeah. And so even though there are there are um, conflicting, conflicting opinions and and different beliefs, I've I've seen firsthand that that if if somebody needs help. They're going to get that help, yeah. and that's what I—I've never been in a place where, where I where I can rely on my neighbor so much so that I, you know, if there's I have an issue, I can do that. Living in Massachusetts, I knew my neighbor next door because she and I went to school together, and a couple of people on my street because my kids were friends with their kids, but that's it. Yeah, here in Neely, I can go. Anywhere, it's funny when my, my when the girls were in, in school, going to school more, would drop me off at the at the game, and he'd say, well, "How are you getting home?" I, oh, I said, I, "I it doesn't matter. I either walk home because it's only you know ten blocks, or I can ask anybody." Yeah, and sure enough, no matter where you are in this town, you can ask for a ride, ask for help, and they'll give it to you.
0: It's pretty special.
1: I, I you know. If you haven't lived it, it's, 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 it's. If you haven't lived that, it's a hard thing to understand. And I think for people that live here, that grew up here, it's commonplace. Mm-hmm. So it's, you know, so it's a normal thing for them. But for somebody like me who have who has come in from the outside, to see that, to see that that actually exists, you know, you you watch these movies about these little small towns where everybody gets together, everybody knows each other. That's a reality here, yeah. and so you know, how can, how can you not want that forever? It's a great thing.
0: I agree. hundred percent. So if people want to know more or see more of your artwork, where can they do that?
1: I have, uh, I have the art corner. So I do have my artwork there. I, um, for as much as I like, don't like social media, I do have an Instagram account and that's Daphne, Caruso Dart artist, um, and just to f- clarify with my name, my name is Daphne, but it is spelled in in the Spanish way, so D A F N E, as opposed to D A P H N E, right? Uh, because the only sound that makes the F sound in Spanish is the letter F, yep. not the P H, right? So, so there, yeah. And then um, I do have I have my stuff at the Art and Soul Gallery, and I do have a couple of pieces, jewelry pieces, at Paragus. And, um, and in Virginia, I have, if I can remember the name of the, the framing place in Virginia, fine art gout, no fine. I don't remember. Um, but yes, (laughs) but anyway, I, I'm always, yeah. And, and, you know, and I do, I, because art is such a passion, I am always offering, if you want to come in and just, you know, you want to come in and have a little lesson or you want to try some stuff. I am always open for you to come in and do that because I, that's what I love. That's what I love. And that for me, you know, you said earlier, I don't want to pat myself on the back, but that is my gift to, to people because I, I love what art can do for you, you know, to you as a, as a, as a person, it, it, the, it, it just, you end up with, um, what's the word? You end up, you you know, there's this feeling of, of proud, you're proud there's a feeling of autonomy. There's a feeling of accomplishment when when you sit down and, and do something or try something and you realize you can't do it. And so I've seen that. I've I've I I've grown so much. I know what art as a I know what art can do for you as a person. And so I want to share that. I I get so excited. You <laughs> know, and, and people, you know, and people all the time like I'm not a salesperson. I don't like to sell. So, which is pretty, you know, ironic given I, I I I own the art corner. I don't like to sell. But what what people tell me all the time is what the what does sell is my enthusiasm and my passion and they get inspired. So I again I the offer is out there. If you want if you want a lesson, if you want if you're interested, if you anything, come on in. The drawer is always open.
0: Well, I love how you've illustrated what a gift Ely has been to you. And I, I just want to say from my standpoint and from a lot of people's standpoint, you have been a gift to Ely, you and your amazing family. And we're lucky to have you here.
1: I appreciate that. Thank you.
0: Thank you so much for being here.
1: This has been great. I, You know, I this is great because actually now my, my story, I just said earlier that I don't have, right? There's no history. Here we go.
0: There you go. You're building your history. Building
1: my history. Thank you so much for this.
0: Awesome. Daphne Caruso, thank you so much for being here. Thanks, Brett. Thank you for listening to this episode of the My Ely Story podcast. And an extra special thanks to Daphne Caruso for joining us. If you're an Ely, I highly recommend stopping down at the Custom Theaters building on the west end of town to see her amazing art collection in the Art Corner I hope you enjoyed this episode. And if this is your first time listening to the podcast, be sure to go back and check out some of the great guests we've had on on previous episodes and stay tuned for the next one as well. Don't forget to subscribe and give us a good review wherever you get your podcast, if you'd be so kind. You can follow us on social media at visit Ely MN on Facebook and Instagram. You can send an email to tourism at Ely.org and stay tuned. As we bring you more My Ely Story Tales. I'm Brett Ross. Thanks for listening. Be well. We'll talk soon.